That's great, and if you're one of those who teaches, leads, or help uh, organize one of those classes or Bible studies where folks have been diving deeper into God's Word, thank you for what you do in that area of ministry, and it's good to hear that update from Curtis and Loretta. Now, I want to just give you a little heads up that I'm kind of hovering behind the scenes here today. Came up from the backside, uh, from the stage, not from uh, the, the congregation, uh, because my wife tested positive for COVID yesterday. Uh, she's actually, Leslie's doing well. Uh, she feels a lot better today, but was pretty uh, tired yesterday and worn out and, uh, from that. And I've tested this morning twice now and negative both times. But out of an abundance of caution, uh, I'll kind of hover behind the scenes and uh, pastors, uh, uh, Jason McMaster and Mac uh, Braden, who were, Mac was right up here just a minute ago, uh, they will be where I normally am in the lobby. And uh, I've been wearing a mask if I've interacted with folks in the back here. I will plan to be a part of a luncheon we have scheduled. If you're part of a luncheon uh, later today that I'm attending as well, uh, I will be there, but I'll be cautious in uh, what I do because I just want to make sure I don't spread it to anybody if, if I'm carrying it on me, if it's on my jacket or whatever. I don't know how all that goes, but um, just to give you that heads up. Now, if you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're again looking into this chapter in the letter the Apostle Paul wrote, the first letter he wrote, to the church at Corinth in the first century. The church at Corinth came out of a pagan, idol-worshiping background, and he's addressing some issues that have now crept into this body of believers, this local expression of the followers of Christ, the Big C Church. Uh, this local church has a lot of issues. As a matter of fact, there's immorality, there's arrogance, there's pride. When it came to the abilities and experiences and even the spiritual gifts that God had given them, some were flaunting their gifts and abilities and saying how much better their gifts were than others and others were jealous about what others could do in terms of serving the Lord and they felt uh, inferior. And so there's, there's this jockeying going on around uh, spiritual gifts and abilities that really is self-absorbed and is not helpful to the building up of the body. And the Apostle Paul jumps in and talks about that. In these two chapters particularly, he addresses how we are all, all of us who know Jesus, are members, parts of the one body, the body of Christ. And so we need to have that perspective even as we serve and love and build up each other. So last week we looked at the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and we talked about one body and our unity and how we are un united because of the Spirit of God that is within us. Our unity is not just because of the God we worship out there in the universe, but because of the God who indwells each of us who know Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Today we look at one body, diversity, many parts, many gifts, many abilities, many experiences, and how all of those come together in this one united body and what God does with those gifts and abilities and experiences that each of us brings. I love the Peanuts cartoon strip, always, always have, even back to childhood and when uh, uh, it was being created by Charles Schultz, the creator of it. Um, there were so many great uh, cartoons that just stood out. One of those I remember as a kid even, I didn't remember this particular cartoon until I was doing some research early in the week, but there was a cartoon where uh, Snoopy broke his left leg and then for a series of cartoons over a couple of months he was dealing with this this broken leg, you know, the little dog, the beagle that is Charlie Brown's companion. 
And one day, Snoopy is kind of philosophizing and thinking through the impact of this broken leg. He looks at the cast while he's sitting on top of his doghouse, and he's trying to figure out all that this has and the implications in his life. And you know, when, when Snoopy speaks, it's really like a thought bubble that he communicates with, right? And uh, so in a series of frames in this one cartoon, we see him sitting on top of the doghouse just contemplating that broken foot, that left foot in the cast. And he, he says this as he's contemplating. My body blames my foot for not being able to go places. My foot says it was my head's fault, and my head blamed my eyes. My eyes say my feet are clumsy, and my right foot says not to blame him for what my left foot did. So then Snoopy looks out toward the audience and thinks and kind of communicating with us in a thought bubble says, I don't say anything because I don't want to get involved. <laughs> now that's kind of ridiculous because all those parts that he says are arguing are all his parts, right? He is one body with many parts. You know, I think there are a lot of believers who have this idea that we don't have to be involved in the body of Christ. We can be spectators and we can sit back on our spiritual duffs and just watch and expect other people to serve and build up others. And yet we are all called in this one body to bring the diversity of who we are and how God has wired us into the church family, even the local expression right here at Calvary. Now I'm going to be addressing the Calvary Community Church family and and when I talk about parts and members, I'm talking about anybody who considers them a part of the Calvary family, who attends, who's engaged in ministries. Maybe you're here visiting from another church in the community, or uh, you are here already visiting for Thanksgiving week, and you're here with relatives. If you're a guest, I'm also speaking to you in terms of how you function in your local church and, and the part you play in that local expression. We know there is the big C church that we're all a part of who know Jesus, but then this is the local expression of that. And we are to be one body as well with the diversity of gifts and abilities that God has given us. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 together, we're going to see that God has given each of us natural abilities, life experiences, and spiritual gifts to bless and build up all of us. Each of us, you, me, each of us have been given these life experiences that we've gone through that have brought wisdom into our lives, both our failures and our successes. We've been given natural abilities, abilities we were born with. Even kid, people could see it when we were kids, that we had these certain abilities about life, and some are mechanical, some are not, some are musical, some are not, some are athletic, some are not. There are all these different natural abilities we have. But then the moment we receive Christ as Savior and God placed his spirit within us, that, which, that one who unites us, we were also given spiritual gifts to be able to minister and serve within the local expression of the body of Christ. I love leadership quotes, and one that I've held on to and even at one time had hanging in my office is from Henry Ford. He said, coming together is a beginning, keeping together is progress, and working together is success. As I was studying this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31 today, I kept thinking of that quote because it, I know Ford came centuries, millennia actually, after the Apostle Paul, but Paul follows a similar pattern in this passage, in this paragraph. He talks about our coming together and who we are in Christ and goes back to the idea we are united in our coming together. And then he talks about our keeping together, what we do and how we view ourselves as a part of the body of Christ, even the local expression of it through the local church. And then he addresses 
working together. And so I want to use that framework that just seemed to emerge from this passage that parallels this quotation from Henry Ford to just help us understand what Paul is communicating when he communicates that we are one body even in the midst of all of our diversity. So let's look first of all at coming together. How are we together? What binds us together? We talked about the Holy Spirit last week. We know it's through the finished work of Jesus Christ. But look at his emphasis here in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. Read uh, as I do, read along there in your hard copies of the Bible or on your mobile device. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And we know Christ is the head of the church, but all of us who make up the various parts of the body are one in Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit. We were all plunged into, immersed into this body. We are baptized by the same spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, no matter who we are, no matter what our backgrounds are, our experiences, we were all given the one spirit to drink. We saw that last week. We're united in the spirit of God. Then verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Calvary Community Church is is not just Sean Thornton. It's not the elder board. It's not the pastoral staff. It's not our ministry directors and other leaders and staff. It's not just those who volunteer to lead. We are many parts, not just one part. And the Apostle Paul emphasizes that, that we've come together with our various differences in background, and we come together as one. So in this coming together, we notice two things. First of all, God brought different people together through one spirit. He says Jew and Gentile, free and slave. For us, it can be different socioeconomics, different education backgrounds, different ethnicities. It can be different skin colors. It can be different experiences in our, in our Christian background and walk. But God brought different people together through one spirit. All of us who are a part of the Big C Church have the same spirit. All of us who are part of this local expression called Calvary Community Church, we are all brought in by the same spirit who the moment we express our faith in Christ regenerates us, gives us new life, and he becomes uh, an an indwelling presence in our hearts and our lives. Let me say, you, you can't even begin to understand the concept of being one with other brothers and sisters in Christ until you actually are a part of the family of God, until you have accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you, his, his crucifixion, his suffering, his burial and his resurrection as being enough for you and, and sufficient for you to be made right with God. And the moment you express your faith in Jesus, by grace you're forgiven and given new life. And by grace, the Holy Spirit generates that that life in you and then he is with you from now until you're with Jesus so that you can flourish and walk with him and grow and thrive. But let me just say that if you're joining us online and you haven't yet put your faith in Christ or you're here in the room and haven't yet crossed that line of faith, then what I'm saying really can't impact your life until you allow him him in and have his spirit inside you. You can simply text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen to 58568. If you today are accepting Christ as your Savior or you have questions, we'll follow up with some information there, some connections, some resources, and then someone on our team will reach out with you. You can just simply text the name Jesus as the body of the text to that number. If you're here on campus, as I mentioned, Pastor Jason and Pastor Mac will be back uh, where I normally stand, the center of the lobby there, and you can speak with them, pray with them. 
If you're here again at the end of the service, we have care and prayer team members that part of their gifting and part of what they give to the body is they come down here to pray and encourage and give some immediate counsel to folks in need. And so you can come down and, and greet those folks after the service. But make sure you know that you're part of the people who have been picked up and put into the body of Christ. That's our coming together in Jesus through his spirit. And then God brought different parts together in one body. There are many parts, Paul says in 12 through 14, but there is one body. All of us come together in one body of Christ and then it has local expressions. There are several local expressions of the body of Christ in our area. We are one of those, but we need to learn the principles that Paul has for us in 1 Corinthians 12. So that's the coming together. What about the keeping together? The keeping together. Let's look at verses 15 through 20. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. If the foot says, uh, I, I don't do these other functions so that I'm not a part of the body. You have to be a foot to be the body. No, it, it's missing the point. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. You can't just say, well, I'm not functioning this way, so I'm not important, I'm not a part of the body. No, you are a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18, this is a key verse here. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You know what that tells me as a pastor? Then we talk about some of the challenges we face in our world today, some of the challenges to be effective as a church in our community. When we talk about vision 2030 that God has given us and some of the high hurdles of that vision and some of the, the things that are on the horizon that could seem overwhelming, I step back and I say, I don't know how we're going to do that. But then the Lord reminds me, look, I have sovereignly put into the family of Calvary Community Church the people with the right natural abilities and life experiences and spiritual gifts to accomplish what I have for this body. Then when I step back and I realize that we have the gifting and the abilities and those experiences that are going to be required of us collectively, I thank God for his sovereignty in that. And I just want to encourage you to understand that he has gifted you to be a blessing and to help build up your local church. Not simply to show up and check a box and disappear but to lean in and use that which God has wired you with and the way in which he has shaped you. Verse 19, if, there were, if they were all one part, where would, we, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You hear that theme? We're united in one body in Christ, but with many parts, and we have unique gifts and abilities that God knows this church needs. So I bring my gifts and my abilities and my experiences. You bring your gifts, your abilities, and your experiences, and then we serve in different ways. For me, it's obvious my wiring has been for teaching, and God has brought fulfillment to me in that. For some of you, it's to work with children. Some of you, it's to do ushering and greeting or to work in the parking lot. You have a gift of hospitality. Others work behind the scenes on some of the technology that's going on right now. Others lead in worship. Some visit folks in the hospital as hospital chaplains. We're all given different gifting and different wiring, but it's given to us by the same God to bless one another and to build up one another 
in Christ. So what does that look like then? What, are, what do we see here in this keeping together in verses 15 through 20? Number one, there's an interdependency, an interdependency where we cannot survive without each other. Interdependency, we cannot survive without each other. I need you and you need me for us to flourish in Christ, to find fulfillment, to make a difference, to be a bright light in this world that needs Jesus. There is an interdependency. The foot can't say, I have no need of the hand, therefore I'm not a part of the body. No, we have different functions, but we need each other. You don't see individual parts just moving around. Now, except for on the Adams family where you've got thing. But just so you know, that is not real. A hand cannot survive on its own without the body. But there's an interdependency. This is important for you to hear. What Paul is saying here under, under the direction of the Spirit of God is that every one of us is a part of the body and God has a sovereign plan and how he wants to use us and he's gifted us for that use. And I grew up in a home where I felt kind of crushed and grew up with some low self-esteem because of the, the issues in our home. And when I left the home, if I considered who I was as a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, big C church all over the world universally, but then even in the local expressions I've been a part of, I saw myself as the crud underneath the toenail of the body of Christ. Because I didn't see myself as worthy or really bringing that much to the table. Or, uh, and yet, the scriptures never give an idea that anybody is less than an effective and functioning, important part of the body. So maybe you've felt that way. You've said, you know, I, I, I just really can't get up there and do what you do, Sean, so I guess I'm not gifted. God gives people to, ways to serve, to come alongside people in times of need and to pray with people and to have mercy and to encourage and to organize and to sing and to, to, to uh, be hospitable. And there's just such a wide variety of gifts. And, and none of us, not one of us in this room is the crud underneath the toenail of the body of Christ. All of us, is a, are, all of us are vital members of this body, this interdependency. Now, let me also say this. I had a young pastor a few weeks ago say to me, have you ever noticed this phenomenon in your ministry over the years? And I, first I wanted to know why he was talking to me, then I realized he considered me an older pastor. <laughs> he said, have you ever noticed this phenomenon where there are people who have served and been a part of the church, but when uh, they're in need and someone who has gifting as a part of the church goes to them in need, they reject them because they've got to have one of the pastors or this pastor or that pastor or all the elders or somebody come and minister to them. I said, yeah, I've noticed that. He said, you know, it really hurts the people who are trying to use the gifting God has given them when they say, no, I want the pastor or I want this person. Now, all of us, I, I visit people, I do what I can do, I can't be everywhere. That's why I have a great team of pastors and all of us try to be. But also part of our responsibility is to equip the saints, help them find their area of ministry so they can flourish, to help them discover their spiritual gift, to notice their, their natural abilities and understand how their experiences, good, bad, and ugly, have wired them and shaped them to be a part of serving and building up and blessing the body. So can I just make a request? I said to him, just share with your people every now and then to let other people minister to you and not to make demands on who it is that ministers to you because sometimes we're thwarting someone who's discovering their gifting, who's just beginning to step out and serve. And we say, no, I've got to have so-and-so or I've got to, it's got to be done this way. 
I, I get it if it's not the right timing. You're saying, hey, give me a call next week, or can we talk? Some of us need space when we're grieving, or we're going through something tough, or someone's trying to come alongside, and we shouldn't force our gifting on one another. But at the same time, we should have a spirit that says, there is an interdependency. As I use my gifts, others will use their gifts to build and bless me. Romans 12, 4 and 5 kind of captures what Paul is summarizing here in 1 Corinthians 12. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We're not all, not all gifted and wired the same way, nor do we serve in the same programs or help people in the community in the same way. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members, notice what it says, one of another. We are interdependent. Secondly, there is an intentionality. There's an intentionality about keeping together. We want to keep together. We want to serve together. As Ephesians 4 says, we're eagerly pursuing unity in the spirit. We're, we're seeking that now. We're, we're not looking for division or, or ways to flee or run or hide or just sit and soak. We're looking for ways to lean in and blast others and build up the body. That's intentionality. We cannot thrive without each other. We need each other. Every part is important. This week, Leslie and I were back east for a few days. I was speaking to a group of missionaries at the Billy Graham Training Center in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains called The Cove. It's a great setting. They have a couple of inns there and a place of gathering. And so I spoke several times uh, this week, actually 10 times since I saw you last weekend, and had a great time with these folks and coming alongside them. Um, but you know when you're staying somewhere that's not so familiar and you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and one night I got up in the middle of the night and I caught my little toe on the bed frame, the corner of the bed and oh, did that hurt. And when that little tiny toe that seemed so insignificant was hurting so bad, that one part, my whole body ached for that toe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that one little toe. Some of you remember the, may remember the famous uh, baseball player and pitcher, Dizzy Dean. He was one of the greatest pitchers of the 1930s. He was honored in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he had this unique kind of pitch that even comedians, and I think even Goofy and some of the Disney cartoons uh, made fun of, where he would wind up and he would, he would be on one foot, and with that one foot he'd do this big wind up and he'd come and the ball would come across. He was very accurate, one of the most successful winning pitchers of his day. But in the 1937 All-Star game, a batter hit a, a line drive ball, uh, took a pitch of Dizzy Dean's and hit it so that it smacked Dean's toe on the foot that he stood on when he would do this incredible dizzying kind of pitch. The injury seemed minor to Dean, but some doctors suggested he not play for a little while to help it heal because that toe made a big difference in the way he pitched. But instead, he went right back into the next game. And he went in a little too soon. He began to favor his foot and lean off the toe, which caused his pitch to have a different style, and he injured his shoulder. And what happened was, from that moment on, his career went downhill because his one little part of his body, his toe, had been injured. And he would only win 20 more games in his career, and his career would come to an end over a smashed little toe. 
It's important for us to understand that every part is vital in the body, that all of us need each other. We are interdependent, and we need to be intentionally seeking to utilize our gifts and abilities and our experiences and to receive from others as they use their gifts and abilities so that we can keep together, so that we can be a bright light for Christ in our community. We can build up and bless each other and make a difference in our world. Thirdly and finally, not only is this about coming together and keeping together, but it's, all about, it's also about working together. Working together. Look at verses 21 through 31. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts that, of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Uh, parts that you don't see about me, my heart, the doctor checks to make sure it's doing well. Parts we don't see about each other that we cover with modesty, uh, they, they get a special, uh, special attention and, and we notice them. Notice he says, uh, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Those things, my hand is obvious and you know what my hand does, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. What is he saying here? See, part of the controversy, again, at the Church of Corinth is they were flaunting their spiritual gifts, they were flaunting their abilities, they were flaunting who they were, look at me, look at the impact I'm making, and notice who I am and how great I am. Oh, poor you, you don't have one of the greater gifts. And what he's saying here is, no, 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 no. In God's way of looking at things, those like Sean who step up on the platform and do obvious things in using gifting and ability that God has given me, hopefully for his glory, not mine, but, but I get obvious attention from that. What he's saying is those people who serve like an angel threads, sorting out clothes that have been donated so they can be given to others, those who serve faithfully at Fresh Market or who, who serve in our care ministry, just visiting and sitting with a shut-in or visiting someone who's in the hospital or those ser who serve in the technology behind the scenes here, and you're glad they do because if I was in charge of technology, you'd be getting feedback right now that'd be ringing in your ears. But all those who serve, those who serve with the children, the people don't notice they're serving with the kids. All the people who serve in different ways that aren't as obvious to the body, he said, God notices them. I think if, there's a, if, if there are rows around the throne where we're one day worshiped lamb, I think people like me who, who were recognized as utilizing their gifts, it was a little more obvious to people, the, the, the upfront people, I think we get the back row in heaven. The dear folks who serve and, and don't get a lot of notice and just keep serving and using their gifts to bless the body and build the body and bring honor and glory to God, I think they get the front row. I'm not sure that really fits any theology, what I just said, but it's the emphasis here. Paul's saying, you guys are flaunting your stuff, you're jealous of those, and we should all find fulfillment and meaning in using our gifts. And those of us who are receiving the blessing of those gifts, even if they're working behind the scenes we don't notice them, or they're on the platform we do notice them, we should celebrate the blessing they are in our lives and how they are building us up. And then he says, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Stub your little toe and don't, and, and don't see if the rest of you doesn't go grabbing for it and hopping around hoping the pain goes away. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Here's the key. 
Everyone who knows Jesus, who's listening to my voice right now, whether it's online or in this room, you are a part of the body of Christ. God has given you gifts and abilities and experiences he expects you to use and utilize to bless others in the body of Christ and build them up. You're either utilizing those things, investing with those things, or you are squandering those things, but one day all of us will be held responsible to God for the part we played in the local assembly of believers. Are you using your natural abilities, your life experiences, and your spiritual gifts for God's glory? Look at verse 28. And God is placed in the church. Then he's going to list, and in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, these three main passages where Paul lists different gifts. He doesn't give to either, either any of these three churches the same list. There are 19 different offices and gifts that he lists. I think he's trying to say there are many different spiritual gifts where when we receive Christ, we're given an ability that doesn't match or it kind of aligns with but isn't the same as our natural ability we're given at birth. New birth in Christ, we're given these spiritual gifts. And God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues? Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. These questions have an implied negative answer in the original. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. We're all given different gifts in, in terms of spiritual gifts. We've all got different natural abilities we were born with, and we've all gone through different life experiences, and God has taken that wiring and that shape that each of us has, and he's brought it together in us in this place as a part of Calvary Community Church, and we need to engage and use those gifts. Verse 31, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now wait a minute, Paul. You seem to be addressing us because we've emphasized some gifts over other gifts. And, and some people over other people in the way they serve. So what are you talking about? Now desire the greater gifts. Well, in the next chapter, he's gonna list a couple gifts that they're not even thinking of when they're in this jealousy and in this arrogance. And then he's gonna talk about the most excellent of all of those gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And we will see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me make a few observations here together about how we are working together. We're coming together, we come together in Christ, we are many parts, one body. The keeping together is understanding our interdependency and intentionality of building up one another in Christ. But how is it that we are working together? Number one, be humble with each other. Be humble with each other. There is a humility here. These are gifts given to us by God to be used by God for the good of others and his glory. We need an ounce of humility here. And let me tell you, when you have submitted yourself to the spirit of God's control, and you said, okay, I want to be controlled and filled by the spirit, and you lean in and utilize your gifts, God will get the glory, and your brothers and sisters in Christ will be blessed and built up. Henry Nouwen said, one of the most arduous spiritual tasks is that of giving up control and allowing the spirit of God to lead our lives. That takes humility to say, God, you are God and I am not. And if all of us take that approach to let the Spirit of God work in and through us and have control of our lives, it massively changes how we function as a body and how bright our light is in this world. Secondly, we've got to be united with each other. It makes it very clear in this passage uh, that, uh, that 
uh, we are, again, it keeps repeating it. God has put the body together in verse uh, 24, he says. Uh, there should be no division in the body, he says in verse 25. It, its parts have equal concern for each other. We are, we are to be united with each other. Understanding that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Thirdly, we need to be concerned for each other. He says, when one part suffers, all the parts suffer. The whole body suffers. When one part celebrates and rejoices, all the parts, the whole body celebrates and rejoices. He would say this to the Romans by saying, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. When one suffers, we all suffer. When you're really connected and you're leaning in, you're part of the worship and, and the fellowship and being a part of the body. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one celebrates, we all celebrate. Let me say to those of you who are online, I had a lady come up to me uh, last week and she said, you know, this is our first time back and, and I think we've been making some excuses. We had some reasons at first, but now we've been making excuses. And now we're back. And, and I just want to say to you, you know, some of you have very valid reasons why you're, you're not here in worship, why you're, why you're not engaging with the body of Christ, but, but some of you are making excuses and I'm not here to judge. Matter of fact, I told her, I just assume everybody has good reasons. And then when I hear from some folks like you who think maybe you're holding on some, to some excuses. But if you haven't been leaning in to the body of Christ in the room here in terms of serving and engaging and fellowshipping, or even at home, you haven't been here in worship regularly and faithfully, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit himself to show you, is this an excuse that's about me? Or is this a valid reason that's for my protection or the protection of others? You know your own heart and mind. And when you say, Holy Spirit, show me, he will show you. He will expose whether it's an excuse or it's a reason. But we all need to be together in, in serving. And the folks that were here last night at 6, the people here at 9, and now you here at 11, those who've joined us and will join us online through the week, all of us who call Calvary Community Church our church, we need to lean in so that we're able to be connected enough so that when some are suffering, we're all suffering. When some are rejoicing, we're all rejoicing. We need to be concerned for each other. And then we need to be engaged with each other. We need to be engaged with each other. It's so clear here about, he's saying, is everyone an apostle? Is everyone a prophet? Does everyone have this, this guidance? Does everyone have this gift of healing? And the answer is no to, to that everyone has those. But when we come together, all of us, the people behind you three rows, the people down the row from you, all of us come together and we engage. There is something much more substantial and significant that's taking place and we become united in such a way that then we make a huge difference in our community and our world. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We are truly in the body of Christ better together. But if you're leaning back and sitting on your duff spiritually and you're not engaging with the body of Christ, you are missing out in fulfillment and satisfaction God wants to give you. But you are robbing your brothers and sisters in Christ from the blessings 
that God wants to distribute through you. Look at your natural abilities. Are you using them to build up other brothers and sisters in Christ even right here at Calvary? Look at your life experiences. That younger pastor asked me, have you met these kind of people? And because of my life experience, I can speak into that. And all of us here have had different journeys and there are going to be people who maybe are going through mourning a similar situation to you or maybe they lost a job and went through something similar to you or maybe there's something about family life that's significant and similar. Are, are you taking your natural abilities and your experiences and leveraging them for the glory of God by being a blessing and building up the brothers and sisters you have in Christ right here in your local church? So what about discovering your spiritual gifts? Discovering your spiritual gifts. And as I've mentioned, I don't think the lists that Paul gives are exclusive. There are sign gifts, there are supernatural gifts, there are serving gifts. Theologian Wayne Grudem says it this way, and I agree with this statement. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. I believe there are people who have a gift of music that, that was a natural ability but goes to the next level as a spiritual gift and ability. I believe there are people who have a spiritual gift of working with children and they can talk to a toddler and share Jesus with them in such a wonderful way. There are people who work with middle schoolers, which is a tough season of life, but there are people that God has gifted and I think the Spirit works through that gift in their lives. But I want to encourage you, when it comes to discovering the spiritual gifts God gave you at your new birth when the Holy Spirit came in and there were a couple, one to three gifts given to you, um, I want to help you discover what that means. And the best way you can do that is to step into spaces and try to use the gift. If you think, you know, I think I have a heart for children. Some people who struggle with, with uh, interacting with folks with special abilities will often make a, a, a step into that world and volunteer. And then all of a sudden they find out, wow, God has gifted me. Some people step in to teach a, a Bible study or lead a small group. And they find out, wow, God has gifted me here. This is a gift I have. How do you determine when you step into these spaces whether that is legitimately your avenue and, and way of functioning in the body? Let me give you three steps that I would encourage you to just ponder this week even as you take steps forward in engaging in the body. Number one, there's the upward. There's the upward confirmation that this indeed is one of your spiritual gifts. God draws you closer to himself through it. There are some people, hard for me to believe, but there's some people when they're sorting clothing they know is gonna help someone else, there's such great fulfillment they feel closer to God in that. There's some people who feel closer to God when, when they're helping a, a little child just understand that God loves them. There are some people that when they're singing a song, some people when they're teaching, there's just all the variety of ways God uses us. One way to confirm that this is indeed an area of your gifting from God is that you will sense you're drawing closer to God as you're exercising that gift. Secondly, there is the outward. There's the outward confirmation that this is your gift. Others give you positive input about it. Let me tell you, in our 301 class of our 101, 201, 301, 401, in 301 class, they go over the spiritual gifts in detail, and they help you walk through to discover what some of your spiritual gifts can be. They, they give you that outward confirmation. Whether you do it in a class like that or you're, you're engaged in working with, with children and people say, wow, God has just given you an ability here. Or you're, you're serving in a specific way of doing helps kind of ministry behind the scenes. People say, wow, you are wired for this. God is really using you. 
You know, for me, it was once I tried to sing a solo and they said, no, not a good idea, not a good idea. <laughs> not, not the best plan. They give you positive input about it. Thirdly and finally is the inward. You personally feel fulfilled by it. You personally feel fulfilled by it. So there's the upward. It's as if you're drawing closer to God as you exercise that gift or that, that function. That's a good sign that's coming from the Spirit of God. There's the outward. People are saying, you know, I'm blessed. Our kids were blessed. Or, uh, you know, just seeing you serve in that way blesses me. That's a confirmation on the outward. Then there's the inward. You, you have this deep sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. And some of you are being robbed of that satisfaction because you're not engaging and utilizing your gifts and finding a place to serve in the body. I contemplated this week working with our team and saying, let's get a, a website, let's get a sign-up where people can just go immediately and they can find places to try to discover their gifts or to serve and, and just make one place. But then I thought about this. I want the Spirit of God to draw you in to that area of service he draws you to. You can always call our office, you can email us, you can talk to Jason or Mac in the lobby. You know, you, many of you know other pastors. Talk to a Christian friend that you know, your small group leader, and say, hey, I'd like to get involved in a ministry and maybe get some advice on a couple of ways you can, you can step into ministry at events or some specific way to, to follow someone else into a ministry and learn and figure out if that's your area of gifting. But this week, spend time with the Lord in this upward, outward, and inward discovery of your spiritual gifts. Because we have come together in one spirit, many parts, one body, we're then to be keeping together in this interconnectivity and this interdependency and this intentionality that we're using our gifts to build up one another and that spills out into the world around us. And then we're to be working together with humility, deeply concerned for one another, engaging with one another. Let me ask you, are you using or squandering the gifts God has given you to bless and build up this local body of believers? You feel a little ouch or a pinch right there. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you because I don't know your story. I'm just asking a question. Are you using or squandering the gifts God has given you to bless and build up this local body of believers? There are plenty of ways you can lean in and engage. But I know this, what God has for us and any challenges we don't see yet. We didn't see COVID coming and people stepped up. We don't know what's coming down. We do know that God's calling us to a Calvary 2030 vision. It's gonna take all of us using the gifting God has given each of us to be a blessing together to one another and to build up one another for the honor and glory of God. A nobleman in a village centuries ago in Europe decided to build his little village, a beautiful new church, a new stone church and he didn't let anybody see it as it was being developed. He wanted it to be such a gift and a surprise to them. On the day that he invited everyone in to see the church, people questioned because they, there were no lights, no place for candles or lamps or oil lamps of any kind. And the nobleman pointed to a line of brackets along the walls, and then he gave each of the families a lamp, telling them to bring your lamps each time you come to worship, each time you come to serve, each time you come to fellowship. And he explained, each time you're here, the place where you're seated will have light, but every time you are not here, your place will be dark. This is to remind you that whenever you fail to gather with the church, some part of the church will be dark. Because it's not about the building, it's about the people. And he said, whenever you don't use your gifts to serve, then that part of the church will be dark. Whenever you don't gather to fellowship and build up and bless each other, that part of the church will be dark. 
Maybe today, for you, it's showing up in person in services because it's not a reason, it's an excuse, and you need to bring your lamp next weekend in worship. Maybe for some of you, it's time to take your lamp into a small group, a Bible study, where you can just do life together with other people. For some of you, it's time to take your lamp into service so that God can use your natural abilities, your life experiences, your spiritual gifts to bless and build up others in the body of Christ. Are you using or squandering the gifts God has given you to bless and build up this local body of believers? Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit who is within us that is our bond that unites us. Thank you for the diversity, how you've given us life experiences, natural abilities, and spiritual gifts. I pray that none of us would ever say this person's more important because they serve in this way or they have this gifting or that person has a bigger impact Father, may we all recognize that whatever way in which you've called us to serve, you want to bless your followers and build up your followers in this local church. Use us, use me. I pray, Father, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to someone that they're squandering, how you've wired them and shaped them, they're not using it and investing it, may they take the initiative to reach out and engage and being a blessing and building up the body through the way you've wired and shaped them. Thank you, Father, for all who serve so faithfully, some who just pour in their gifts in so many ways. May they be encouraged and lifted up in their faithfulness. Thank you for Jesus. The only reason we are here today is because of what he did on the cross for us, what he did in conquering the grave for us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have the time of communion here, and so you can take the cup, and uh, if you have your elements at home, you can get the elements there. These two simple elements remind us of the profound nature of our redemption in Jesus, our salvation in Christ. And I would just encourage you to take the bread. Jesus in the upper room before, the night before he's crucified, he said, this bread represents my body. He came to us. He didn't, God didn't expect us to go to him because he knew we couldn't. We're fallen. But he came to us. And this reminds us that he walked on this planet, went to the cross, was buried, and was raised as a part of his redemptive plan. He came to us. Think right now, before we take of this, thank God for sending Jesus to you. Just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for sending, for coming. Thank you, Father, for sending him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming in our hearts and pointing us to him. Let's partake of the bread together. Then when you consider the juice, Jesus said, this is a reminder of my blood. Drink from it and remember the forgiveness I've given you. Just stop and remind yourself of the price Jesus paid and taking your punishment on the cross. Thank him for that payment, that redemption, that sacrifice, just in your own heart. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving all to save me. Let's partake of the cup together.
this is a great way to start Thanksgiving week with gratitude for the great grace of our God and his son Jesus. This is what really brings us together. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to unite us as followers of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the elements that Jesus gave to remind us of your mission of love to us. May we be grateful people this week, not just on one day, but may we be grateful people not just for the stuff of life, but the great stuff you've given us, even the gifting you've given us, the wiring, the shaping you've done in our lives. May we be a grateful people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.